Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Simon Kane, and welcome to episode 16 of the RC Industry Podcast. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today we have an indie comedian. Liz Mealy is a 13-year veteran comedian from New York. She has been performing for most of her life, pretty much. Uh, We get into the conversations on how she sees herself as an indie business. This is something that I really feel a resonancy with because that's who I am. I don't have a management, I don't have anyone backing me, and I really love her take on this. I've felt like this for about six months, and then when I met up with her, it was really, there was like click moments where I was like, oh, that's going to really help me, that's going to make me do this better and take this more seriously, and yeah, it was really good and really exciting, and talking about the differences between the USA and UK scenes, which, uh, you know, come up in podcasts when you're talking to someone from over the pond, but she had some really great like business side information about how you can seek out good gigs both here if you aren't someone who are, is from the UK and you're listening uh, and in America if you're someone going over there and also how to create a really good base of people around you who will support you and really just make your career easier and their career easier because you're working as a team rather than seeing yourself as uh, just a sort of lone ranger who doesn't need anyone else because we all need some help now every now and then. Uh, we talked a fair bit about cats. We're both very big cat lovers and at little one or two points my cat came over to sort of say hi, which is rare for him. So that was quite nice. And uh, also building a social media fan base. She was really interesting about how sort of clinical and and intelligent she was around learning how social media works because honestly it's not as simple as just put stuff up and people will watch it there has to be a bit of a tactic behind it or there has to be some sort of narrative for your feeds and for your information that you're sharing and it was great to hear someone else talk about this because I'm banging on about it all the time. I, I work in social media for a day job and I, I love social media and I think it's really good for building a, a fan base. And often I don't have the time to explain to people how you start with that or where you go when you have them. So it was great to talk to someone else who's sort of been there and is still doing it. And uh, also the release of her CD and how that 
social media base of people have helped her go viral as well as her own efforts and she goes into she sort of breaks it down like like step by step how she decided to cut down snippets and send them out to different places and ensure that her video went viral in the most clinical way possible there's no guarantee of it of course but she really nailed it and i think it was just an amazing case study that she really went to town telling us about so this would be a great podcast for anyone who's ever wondered about creating a social media fan base how to go viral online by the way viral online does not necessarily mean getting a million hits on something uh it it means that your content is being shared fast amongst a core group of people it can mean that that is a million people but you've got to understand that a view figure is a vanity figure and it always goes up as a result it is not an accurate measure of how good your content is and we go into stuff like that like really dissecting what you should be looking out for rather than going oh i've got a million hits on a youtube video doesn't matter if it's not achieving what you want it to achieve and in her case it was trying to build her fan base a bit more uh get her some more exposure maybe get her some more work but also to sell her debut cd which we get into as well because obviously over here we mainly do dvds and so it was interesting to talk to her about that so uh thank you very much for listening um if you want to follow along with the show notes we've got links to all the stuff we talked about at uh, simon kane that's s-i-m-o-n-c-a-i-n-e dot co dot uk forward slash ask the industry podcast all one word no gaps or anything um if you would like to support the show three quick ways you can do that one share this podcast a link to it uh, is at that website or the iTunes link just pass it on to a friend if you f- if you felt like you got anything from it or you felt like it was a useful bit of content and someone else could get something out of it please pass it on it genuinely helps the show out and it really helps with download numbers and building this audience for for us all the more we can get downloading it the more i can go to people who are bigger and better and brighter and say look these are the amount of people that want to hear from you can you come on and then we can get better information so please keep supporting it that way if you haven't yet please leave it a review in itunes because they help as well the guests are reading those before they come on and it is great to see so many positive comments we're up to 27 reviews now as i do this let's get it to 30 let's do it and uh finally if you have some spare cash if you have you know a couple of quid that you don't mind throwing my way put a monetary value on the podcast that you have either listened to and you enjoyed or just in general like what you think it's worth if you think it's worth a fiver a tenner 20 quid whatever please send it my way via paypal there is a link on the website uh there's a link on all the pages on the website you can't really miss it um so if you want to support the show you want to help it keep going please send some money that would be amazing um but only do it if you can afford it i understand totally if you don't have the money um just save up and then send something if you if you want to in five six months time i'm not going anywhere hopefully um and um but it would be really useful so those are the three ways you can support so before i hit play on this episode i just want to say that i'm doing a show at the brighton fringe it's called buddhism and cats it is on at 7 45 on the 5th 18th 19th 20th 21st 24th 25th 26th 27th of may Uh, i'm also now doing it every day in edinburgh no days off so if you can't support the show in any of the ways that i've just suggested please feel free to come and see that show without any further delays 
this is Liz Mealy. By the way, I've started recording. Oh, good. Just be- Do, can they hear me Instagramming? Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. This is well. We, I brought you on to talk about social media and online. Yeah. No. I literally, they're like she's ignoring me while she Instagrams <laughs> my cat. She might be the most authentic guest we've had. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just uh, fill in the gaps. Um, she's just on her phone taking a photo of my cat, putting it online. Yeah. No. Th- I mean, that's it's important. It was important. <laughs> <laughs> if you want real-time updates in this uh, I get, no, it's happening right now. You need to follow her on Instagram. Yeah, this it's all, be- I actually tell people not to follow me on Instagram because it's all cat pictures. I was, I really am. I'm like, if you're that dedicated to seeing me take a picture of my cat, I've actually gotten better. I, I say the only religious belief I have is Catterday. Oh, nice. And so I'm pretty, I'm pretty accurate. I always post a picture of a cat on Catterday. I think we're going to have a fun gig tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow is tomorrow? Monday. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm just going to do all my cat material for you. Oh, my God. I'll do mine for you. And you can do, oh, it's going to be, oh, I want to hug you, but this is weird. That's actually kind of um, funny. Like, I don't, it, it never really has to happen. I don't know if they do it here, but a lot of times you'll see openers and headliners be like, hey, don't do this joke because it steps on my joke. Yeah. And I've never had that happen because it's like, because no. it's like, do you talk about cats? Then yeah. probably not. Like, I talk about mental illness and cats. Like, I don't really step on anybody's material. <laughs> Um, let's start. Well, I mean, let's start with social media. Yeah. Um, you have quite a big following on Twitter. Yeah, I think for for nobody knowing who I am, I think it's pretty good. Do you think nobody knows who you are? It's starting to be the opposite. But I've been doing it. It'll be thirteen years next month, and so even though I've logically understood since before I started that it takes a long time to find your voice and gather a following and get a fan base and be good at comedy in general. Um, it's still kind of funny to be 13 years in and be like, I mean, mostly the people that I started with, like my community, New York City knows who I am, but you know, it's, let's put it this way. I had a video go viral two weeks ago. I was just in runner's world magazine, uh, three days ago. Um, I, I've been trying to think some of the big things that happened. I was just on this show called, um, uh, Gotham. Gotham New York some Gotham Comedy Club Live I don't even know what it was called because big, big things yeah but it was on it was on it was on TV and it's so funny that in those so that all happened within a couple of um, months of each other and of course you see the YouTube comments you see the you know people following you on Twitter and Facebook and stuff and they all say the same thing I've ne- I didn't know who you are but this is great I didn't know who you are but this is great and you're like you don't need to say the first one just say you're great like yeah. I don't need to be reinforced that the invisibility that I thought I was <laughs> was true the whole time yeah I hate that <laughs> like like sometimes when, at the end of like my show in Edinburgh last year someone came up to me and like it was just like oh you were really nice I, I wish I'd known who you were before and I was like me too you have just stopped <laughs> It, you know, I don't come up to you in like an office and go, oh, you made a great cup of tea. I wish I'd spoken to you all these years. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I wish I didn't ignore you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretend you, just, you didn't exist. You could just stop. And I get it. It's like there's not there's not this belief that people should know who I am. Mm. But it is kind of funny. Like a good example, um, I went to my 10-year high school reunion last year. And uh, this guy that I went to high school with hit on me. And when we were talking... I was just like, it's so like, and I was not interested whatsoever. But when we were talking, I was like, I said, something, something, isn't it so funny? We took the bus together because he lived in my neighborhood. And he goes, we took the bus together. We took the bus together every day for seven years. And of course, in high school, I believed that I was invisible only for it to be 10 years past high school and to know that I was right. He had no idea who I was, let alone. And it doesn't matter, but it was kind of like to, to have that reinforcement that like your biggest fear 
you know, when you're a kid being invisible and not being important. And now when I have a career where being visible is very important, these people are pretty much saying, I know you've been doing this for 13 years, had no idea. You're like, I don't, I just don't want to know that. <laughs> like, I don't want to know that I was right. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have not come. I'd yeah, rather... exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How long have you been trying to build an audience for yourself then? So, I mean, I think from, I think you always are trying to build a fan base, but I don't think I started actively and understanding how it works until like five years ago. So five years ago was kind of, so I was on TV five years ago. It was my first Comedy Central. I don't know what it is here, but Comedy Central is kind of the the building block of you going to the next level of comedy. It's usually your first TV credit and it's the thing that starts getting you work. And that's exactly what happened. It was, um, it was, it's like a showcase thing. So it's like five comics doing five minutes or seven minutes, whatever. And um, I did that. It went well. And I was very much under the understanding that this is the thing that's hopefully going to get me more work and it's hopefully going to propel me into more TV stuff. Uh, it definitely got me more work and, um, is, and that work is what made me a stronger comic. It didn't really propel me into more TV stuff. And when I realized what I do and who I am and possibly not being ready a little bit um, for more TV stuff, um, when I realized it wasn't just going to snowball into more work, I started trying to figure out alternative ways of getting seen or being noticed or, or, you know, building a fan base because everybody wants the easy way of building a fan base, which is I tell jokes, you put me on TV, that's millions of people and you're welcome. But the longer you do this, the more of an anomaly that is. And especially just if you only do stand up, it's even more of an anomaly, but nobody likes to see that people just like to see, well, Chris Rock did it and Dave Chappelle did it and Jim Gaffigan did it and Carlin did it. So you just, you just tell jokes and be funny. And then people are like, thank you for being funny. But what you don't see is that there's a couple of chosen people where it is that easy for them. And then there's literally hundreds to thousands of comedians that are just as funny that aren't chosen and they and I think that's what kicks a lot of people out especially in New York City which is saturated with incredibly talented people and so the whole you know the whole comedy community has funny people but New York City is where people go to be the best and so you'll be on a lineup like I tell people when I leave New York I'm amazing when I'm in New York all right you know what I mean because that's really what it is you you're you're training with was it Hussein Bolt? You know what I mean? You're hmm. training with the best. You're you're training with Serena Williams. You're you're literally with the best of the best and you're tagging behind, chasing behind them because and it's what makes you better. I mean, you don't realize you're getting better while you're watching somebody murder in front of you. All you can see is my laughs weren't as big as that guy's laughs, but because you see that that's the goal, you rise with the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, I knew that I just wanted to be a good comic and I tried to spend, you know, all the time, but especially the last like five or six years being authentically myself, being a good comic, working on my hour. But then I also noticed that whatever it is that I do isn't going to be for everyone. So I better start finding the people that are for me. And I never, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be this selling out arenas, you know, kind of comedian, but I do think I could be a really successful punk band. And so if I'm going to be a successful punk band, I better go find the people that still like punk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that makes perfect sense. And that's, and that's like, 
partly what this podcast is about, but also just in general, I think the ethos of a lot of very driven people in England, because we've all realised that, yeah, you could be someone who gets picked up by management and they just go have that TV moment yeah. and then loads of people will come to your yeah. tour. Whereas like, I, I don't think that's going to happen for me. Yeah. And I know I, in a way I kind of don't want that to happen to me yeah. because a, if that happens to me, I'll go from like level one to level six and I won't have, be, be at level six. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's what happens is is you see, think of it like uh, reality TV stars. They have, sorry, reality TV stars, but they have no, no skills. No. They have <laughs> no skills. You, If you had skills, you would be doing something, but they have no skills. They're just a person that eats and breathes, hopefully can walk. And then they get propelled into fame, and their next thing sometimes has to be a skill, being a host. You know what I mean? Uh, being on panel. Something that is, isn't this bullshit reality. Can I curse? I'm cursing. Yeah, yeah, you go for um, Reality thing. And some of them thrive because they've learned that they need to build up skills and they make an effort to build up skills. But some of them, they've lost their, that's their 15 minutes of fame and they go back into obscurity because they're not, they don't have the skills to survive at the next tier. Mm. So what I've noticed is that I started really young. I got a little bit of success in, you know, quotation marks, which is just I got passed at a lot of clubs, was making money kind of early, was working some of the bigger places in New York um, as early as 19. And then I got my TV spot at 22. So pretty quickly in the New York scene, I felt like I was getting my footing. But the truth of the matter was, but both at my age, just my age maturity, and then my comedic maturity just weren't ready for some of the opportunities and not realizing that I wasn't ready. Like having a good 20 minutes prepares you for almost nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and especially yeah. with the the goal being mm-hmm. I want to tour as a headliner. And I didn't think at that point that I could be a headliner, but I definitely thought I had some of the stuff that I was ready for. And the industry, in so many words, said, no, you're not. And so I feel blessed that I believed I knew enough to go well then let's get ready and and to not and not just to get ready as a comedian but to get ready for and it took me a while believe me to get ready for the fact that I might not have the same opportunities again and that's pretty much what happened I had these golden opportunities I wasn't comedically or mentally mature enough to handle them and you kind of only get one shot of people being like are you ready and if not you have to then go make the next shot and it's going to be twice as hard. And that's pretty much what the last five or six years have been, which is, all right, I got to I gotta go open some doors that don't want to be reopened. And I might have to go through some windows. And I really think social media has been some really exciting windows, but also they're windows that most people have to find themselves. No, There's no arrow pointing to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Where do you like to build an audience? Is it Twitter, Facebook? Like, do you have a mailing list? Is that? I do. I have it all. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, that's the other thing is that like I, if my way of communication is text, I love texting mm. and my way of doing business is email. Um, I don't really like the phone. I will avoid, I mean, I will avoid the phone for weeks to the point where I've had bills that I clearly need to call somebody about because there's some kind of issue and you can't do it online. And it'll just go on my to-do list every single day for months because I, even it'll take three minutes and I still won't do it. But just like people have modes of communication, I think fans have modes of following and being a fan of. And so finding... And I like some better than others, but, like, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook fan page. I have a regular page. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Tumblr. I'm on YouTube. Um, 
I then have a web series. I have two web series, one that we don't do anymore and one that's animated that's kind of on hold. And those all have Twitters and Facebooks and blah, 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 blah. And so some are better than – I think Facebook I had the most success with and I just found out that it's for old people. I had no idea. Much, um, yeah, and then yeah. I just found out that I'm getting older. Um, I thought it just stopped because my face stopped getting no, older. No, you're very old. <laughs> <laughs> so Facebook. Awkward laughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I just look out the window and I get sad. Like um, you and tea leaf. Yeah, me and tea leaf are just <laughs> looking at carpet being angry. I can see why everybody's grumpy in this place. <laughs> Nobody likes <laughs> every, Simon. Every, yeah, everybody's getting told they're old. <laughs> But I feel like Facebook was because I I started face. That was the one I started the earliest. I started that probably when I was 19 or 20. So Facebook was kind of the first thing. And that seems to be the most traction. And then Twitter, I've been on maybe five or six years. And I just spent the whole time not understanding Twitter until I started reading books on it. I was like, I don't get this. This is super annoying. It wasn't until I read books that um, showed me how to use Twitter. And I've only just started liking Twitter like three months ago. I've been doing it for years and I've only been actively working on it for two years. And only in the last two months have I been like, I like this. I like what's happening. Like when I hit 2000 Twitter followers, I had a tweet that said, um, I just reached 2000 Twitter followers. I'm excited for nothing to happen. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Because it means nothing. Yeah. 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 But, um, I think everyone celebrates 2000. I celebrated 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is. There's just something very exciting about it, but it also means nothing. But then as it starts to kind of snowball a little bit and you get more and you start to see that, because the thing about Twitter and it's all about algorithms and shit, but the thing about Twitter is like, if I put something on Facebook and it's successful, it lasts for days. Mm. So for days, people are liking it. People are commenting on it. It has, it has a shelf life sometimes the longest I've seen one of my posts has a shelf life of four days. Four days, people are seeing it and it's high up in the feed. Twitter, it's like maybe 30 seconds. It, it's up to two hours. It's, yeah. I, I, I work in social media for my day job. Yeah. And I can tell you it's two hours is what they say if it doesn't get traction. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's funny how you post something on Twitter. I look literally two minutes later and I'm like, all right, that was a dud. And then at Facebook, I'll be yeah. like, if it was a dud, it still lasts for a couple of hours. But, you know, if something gets picked up, like one of my tweets literally from four months ago got picked up on one of those, like, I don't know, it's one of these side websites that, um, that uh, I don't know what it does. It just basically kind of promotes certain tweets. It got picked up for, like, tweet of the week or whatever. But it was from four months old. And, of course, now that one has, like, 50 likes and like 20 retweets or whatever it had like two four months ago but Mm. i don't know i guess the guy found me liked me and just combed through all my tweets and found the ones and i think it did okay there's apparently some sites that you can figure out what your best tweets are so sometimes when i do a show the promoter will look find my best tweets and will retweet it as a promotion that i am funny you know what i mean and but they look for the ones that were already successful i presume that's in america because i don't see that very often over here oh yeah that's i mean it's happened it's for the people that are tweet savvy that do it and i i i I also it's also funny to know that there's people have twitter power like i have a girlfriend she only has like nine thousand twitter fans but when she 
But when she tweets, I mean, I'll know that she retweeted me because next thing I know, I get like 50 likes. And I was like, that wasn't me. That yeah. was not that was not my power. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. I, I have I have a friend who has over 30,000 followers and he retweeted me once uh, a while ago. I remember it because it was like really exciting. Yeah, yeah. And I know where I had like 400 retweets. Yeah, on, on, exactly. Like, something really like I thought it, when I remember when I had it in like ready to send. I was like, is this actually worth hitting send on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. Like, too late. Yeah, 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 And then I thought, well, I've got to get this train. Let's yeah. Just, yeah. But the nice thing about it, and I've realized there is something to it, is like there's a risk, especially because we tell our opinions and we say dumb mm. stuff, sometimes knowing it's dumb. But there's a risk on how people are going to react. And with stand-up, you find it, you test it, and you find out, and it feels less of a risk with stand-up. I don't know if it's – especially because it's circled around things you do know that work. Mm. But Twitter, it's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And I press it, yeah. and then I try to go for a run or forget about it. Yeah. And sometimes I go back and I go, I had no idea people were going to like that. I had no idea. Yeah. The, the way I've got around it is I use Hootsuite, the, the scheduling oh, yeah. tool. Yeah. I just write, I write like 10 in an afternoon, schedule them out over the week, and then just leave it. Yeah, this is And a... like once a day, I'll check my replies because I want to yeah. reply to people. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, like, do you, how do you find like connecting with them, like with replies? Is that useful for you or is that i think it's so i've read enough and a lot of a lot of this is like it feels like social media to me is like i have autism and somebody has to tell me how i'm supposed to do it because when i first had it i was like i don't i don't know what i'm supposed to do with this like it really was like it's got to be how your parents feel with like texting and emojis like to me texting and emojis and and pictures like it just feels like a very like sixth sense like i just know how to especially as a girl it's just like you send me a picture that's silly i'll send you a picture that's silly back within two seconds because we love each other Mm. but like when it comes to like twitter and facebook i really needed somebody to be like and then you say thank you (laughs) you know what i mean like i needed somebody to be like make eye contact say thank you you know so i had to a lot of what i do online i had to read in books and then apply specifically to being a stand-up because most of these social media books is like if you are the CEO, or, you know, of the social media person for Colgate and you're mm. like, I'm not a big company that sells toothpaste. I'm mm. just a comedian with jokes. How do I apply this to what is essentially a baby business? Mm. You know what I mean? And a very personal baby business that says dick jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like I, I, I've, some of it I've read and some of it I've learned for myself. And then you also remember that you're a person and how do you like to be respond to? So if I send out a tweet to somebody that I don't know because I appreciate a joke that they said or something and they get back to me and I get all gushy and go, oh, I should be doing that for my fans because I really appreciate that that person got back to me. Mm. Rather than when somebody just kind of goes favorite or like, you're like, that was the bare minimum you could do. Yeah. Come on, take a second to say thank you. Yeah, I just right. retweeted your thing or I just did something that actually had some pull. You know, if somebody held a door open for you, you'd say thank you. And I, if, if anything, I'm holding a little fan door open for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So especially when things kind of got a little crazy a couple of weeks ago with my video exploding, I made a point to thank every blog that reblogged it and to thank every person that retweeted it or even you know people were like quoting jokes and you know sharing it with friends and I I mean it was exhausting and it was a little bit like I wish I had an assistant (laughs) you know what I mean I wish my cat took her load and did some of the work but I think it was important and it's also I am building a fan base and these people need to know that right now they're one of few and I'm really appreciative and 
it's also you learn from reading about fans that there's levels. There's the people that'll follow you on Twitter and retweet, and that's the most they'll do. And then, like, uh, two days ago, I was in um, Bury, like, you know, right outside of Manchester or in Manchester. I don't know anything. But um, this guy tweeted about my joke, and I saw that he was from Manchester. I said I was going to be doing a show in a couple weeks outside of Manchester. Then he asked me for the link to the show. I linked it and got all the information, sent it to him on Twitter. He showed up, met me after the show, bought one of my CDs. We talked after. I'm like, this is a fan. This was like weeks ago. Like that's those fan. Those are the, that's real. The people don't understand, especially it's cold outside. You know what I mean? And there's so many other people you could be spending your money on. Like you need to recognize when people are are dedicated and appreciate that just like when a friend you know there's a friend that'll meet you for coffee and you're grateful and that's what they are but when you are literally depressed and not a good person to be around and that person sticks with you you need to recognize that that's a good friend so the same way you apply levels of friendship and appreciation to people in your life it should be the same thing for fans and i'm starting to do that and treat people the way i would want to be treated if i saw somebody that i thought was really funny or good music or what have you thing that stops me because when i first started on twitter me and a lot of my friends we were like oh i'm up to 300 followers i'm up to whatever and then like i i did a lot of research myself into different books and i realized it's not a number that's 300 people yeah do you know what i mean like you lose yourself especially with like where it says view and follow and all that stuff yeah you forget that it's not just a hit it's a person who's taken time oh yeah and it drives me mad now when someone goes well i've got four and a half thousand followers because you're like no you've got four and a half thousand people people absolutely who like what you do and by calling them just followers you're just grouping them into one and you're imagining they're all the same oh absolutely and you're like no they're not yeah they're all individuals and they all like what you do differently yeah and and people also use twitter differently like you can even see like some people are just having conversations like i literally just had a conversation with a friend in boston because she said something nice about me i was like oh my god i haven't seen you forever how are you doing and we literally had a back and forth a public back and forth on twitter which we could have easily done on text but yeah. it just happened to happen on twitter but then there's people like my friend um my friend justy she just jokes i mean to the point where like sometimes we're hanging out and i'm like i'm here and you need to put down your phone but she will do 15 to 40 jokes a day and so you can look at her feed and stand in the bank line and be entertained Mm. and those people have their own benefit and that's why she has as many twitter followers as she is and and she is somebody that is making that her medium what's her twitter follow it's it's at justy dodge justy dodge yeah she's super funny very dark one of my favorite people exactly what i like yeah she's great what what books have you read that you'd recommend um maybe maybe someone who's never read a book on it before um i it's funny i'll say this about pretty much any book that i've read that's business wise but definitely social media you have it's not going to be like you read it and then you paste it to your life and when i realized that i started to feel better because i read a lot about psychology and like self-help books and all this stuff it's not going to be like this is what you should do and you just paste it on especially because something like this which is very personal and you're pretty much hawking yourself you it's very different so i feel like every book i get three ideas and i try to apply them and maybe only one or two of them stick but like um i like gary vaynerchuk i mean Mm -hmm. both his um uh like kind of his blog and his books but jab 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 right hook uh, which just came out like a year or two ago um he even crush it was good but crush it's like a great beginner Mm. like it's it's if you know what you're doing then i don't i it doesn't matter but yeah. i didn't know what i was doing i read it a couple of years ago and it was a great intro to um social media 
um, this book called Grouped, which is really small and actually talks about how being social, whether with the media or not, it, it talks about friendships, how friendships work, and then how to apply it. Um, and that one had a profound effect on who I am as a friend. It actually was really helpful on a personal level and on a social media level. Um, Do you read anything by Seth Godin? Do you know him? Yes, I He's read a amazing. couple. amazing. I like yeah. him a lot. And my, yeah. my roommate um, is really into this stuff, and he'll send me some of his blogs. I have a hard time being dedicated to blogs so when he sends me pieces of it it's like and i he's he's a very dense writer he'll have a paragraph that like blows your mind oh yeah but i've read a couple seth godin books um i've read i mean i've read so many and they kind of all bleed into each other and then i'll even say i've read a lot about psychology and you start to see how this applies to both being a good comedian and a good writer but how it applies to how you you are you're reacting to people Hmm. you know what i mean and i've like some some of the i don't even know if i read this in a book um I think I read it, I think I saw it in a, like a kind of video or whatever, like probably like a TED talk or something, but like how to respond to people on YouTube and to realize that YouTube is social, you know what I mean? Mm. And so for me as a female comic, uh, I get told a lot of things I don't want to be told and I'm told to go to a lot of places I don't want to go. Um, and so I, I, I try to respond both to how I've been taught, but also how I feel, which is if you don't attack anybody else and you don't say the most horrible things to me, I leave it up. People have said horrible things to me, and I leave it up because I think people need to know that that's part of my job. People say shitty things to me all the time. And so, like, do you have, like, Yelp review here? Yeah. So Yelp review, if you go to see a restaurant and you go, is this Indian restaurant any good? And you look at it, and all the reviews are like, they're amazing. This is the best place I've ever been to. I never go. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) It's skeptical. But if it says, hey, the service is shitty, but the food is amazing. Mm. Or, you know, it's not the best service, but I really enjoy their food. Or their food is okay, but there's this one guy, and he's really nice, and that's Mm. why we keep going. That's a place I'm going to try. Even if it fails, at least there's some honesty. And I do the same thing with my YouTube. So I'll have a hundred comments on YouTube and I respond to most of them unless like they said, they're saying, go eat a dick or whatever it is they're saying. But yeah, (laughs) as a female comic, that's what I get. You should tell her to shut up and put a dick in her mouth. I was like, because when you said eat a dick, I had that Louis CK bit where it's like, yeah, "Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been told to eat a dick so many times and I'd be like, yeah, 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 just, it's just shitty, creative shittiness. They'd be like, she was petting, yeah, yeah. She was petting a cat during the, she got distracted by tea leaf. Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, I should say tea leaf is my cat oh yeah that would make sense it just sounds like i'm playing with like leaves <laughs> <laughs> like like just like tea leaves they're like uh, she's really into tea yeah. I guess in- england is the she's place really, to tour really creepy. Uh, <laughs> my cat's name is pasta so. oh it's all right so, yeah. oh, did you just say my cat's name is all right we're leaving <laughs> we're we're tea leaf. Oh, oh. Oh, um i'm glad you didn't open that <laughs> yeah um uh well, shut up <laughs> that's, that's my response <laughs> I couldn't even think of anything creative I was like you watch your mouth that, I'm a guest like, I'm a guest here that's like the eat a dick comment on, <laughs> of the real life world. you just you, you shut up <laughs> you hurt my feelings and my cat and I miss her uh, um, no she was cute I like thank, her thank she you she's very cute thank you yeah um, she well, has my, a, mine's cute yeah cute. no actually it really is so I, tiny I know right so, I love uh, it it's like a little pocket kitty I know oh, it feels like a little emoji when yes when he gets when he gets like more comfortable with me, I can't wait to pick him up and just go, mm-hmm. like, just like walk up yeah. to people and go, look at my cat. He actually kind of looks like those. Is it Chi- Is it the Chinese cats? Yeah, the Japanese cats. With the the ones with the little hand yeah, and they're yeah, good yeah, luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the colors of him very mm. very fine. good lucky. He's you awesome. have a very good lucky cat. Like 
I, 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 stay, I watch him more than anything in this flat. Like, oh, that's good. Like, I'll sometimes be staring at him, and they'll be watching TV and be like, are you just not going to be part of this? And I'm yeah. like, because there's not really much to be part of here. Yeah, yeah. You're just passively watching the TV. I'm, if anything, if I'm, I'm more observant. Yeah, I'm just, I'm taking care of my cat right now. Yeah, We're, yeah, we're I'm talking. Just, I'm being a really good dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to remember this when he, when he moves out. <laughs> he never goes out. He won't, go, he won't leave the flat. We can leave that door open all day, and he won't go out. Aww. He's too scared of the world. Oh, I'm too scared of the world. I yeah. get him. <laughs> Totally get him. That's so cute and weird. Um, <laughs> right, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, um, but with the YouTube stuff, I've realized that a I, I answer everyone, and then you know some of it's just hey, thank you so much for watching, or some of it's like hey, I just came out. If you like this, maybe you'll like this video, or I just came out with an album. Um, and some of it is I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm not right for you. Yeah. But I mean, most of the hate I don't respond to because it's just you're not going to change people's mind. So I don't. But I don't take it down either. As long as you're not saying anything like super racist or super sexist, I'll leave some sexist stuff down. People should know that's what I. That's this is this People is. Should know they exist. They, not only that they exist, but this is half the reason you don't do what I do is you can't handle that this is going to be said to you. Hmm. And some of it I can't. Like, do do you guys have Reddit here? Yeah. So I don't really post on Reddit anymore because I realized it was actually really affecting me. Uh, Reddit, if you think YouTube is bad for hate comments, Reddit is three times worse if you're a woman. I swear to God, it's a bunch of dudes that look at your picture, go, she would never fuck me, and then say the meanest thing they can think of. And I just, I started to go, I'm not going to change these people's minds. It doesn't matter how funny or great or awesome I am. It doesn't matter how nice or logical I am. So I just, I mean, sometimes I'll post something, maybe in some subgroup where it doesn't feel like it's the worst. But to me, it just didn't, it wasn't worth how it made me feel. And that's something that you should keep in, in, in a, in exchange as well like don't sell your soul for social media if it's making you feel like shit i found the ones where facebook is really supportive twitter for the most part is super supportive youtube is like a little support a little not but there's the the benefits outweigh the cons i found very few benefits to reddit it it just a couple good things happened from it but not enough for me to feel like it was something i was going to do every week so i tried it for like six months and then i stopped it just and people were like you should put this on reddit i was like i you can put it on reddit yeah exactly yeah. i was like my i might i can't afford more therapy <laughs> like i can't i just i didn't have the it's not free over there is it yeah no yeah. it is not there's nothing free <laughs> yeah there. yeah really good um um so but you but yeah you went viral uh, which is yeah. something a lot of people over here would love to happen at some point yeah i mean i i i'll say this i not to think that like I did something magical and I know what I'm talking about, but there is a lot of stuff that I did do that I know was my doing. And that's what made me kind of a proud that it went, my video went viral, but when it went viral and then also how it went viral and then the steps I took. So there's a lot of people that go around thinking that things just kind of magically happen, but I wrote to a bunch of blogs. So basically how it worked is I, I came out with an album um, in December and I was looking, I knew I was going to do my own PR, but I was actually looking just to hire a PR person for one or two months. And I had a couple of leads on some cheap, but really efficient PR people. And I thought for this thing, this, you know, big career thing for me, like an, having an album out, my first album out was something I've been dreaming of since I was a kid. I'm going to put some money into it. I invested in having good audio and all this other stuff. I'm going to invest in a little PR. But the few leads I had, they either were all booked up or they ended up being way more expensive and I just didn't have the money. So I ended up um, 
emailing a friend that used to do PR. She actually had a $15 class on PR. I uh, showed up late and I left early. <laughs> My The trains were really messed up. I ended up getting there like 15 minutes late and then I had a show. So I had to leave like 45 minutes early. But she had a bunch of worksheets. I listened to everything she said. I took a bunch of notes. Um, I asked if I could meet up with her later just to go over some stuff that I missed. And some of the stuff I knew because I've been reading all this social media and PR stuff for years. And some of it, I was like, oh, I could see how that didn't work and I wasn't applying this right. And I... I applied what I knew I was already going to do to some of the stuff she said. And one of them was I was going to I I um, I video recorded my album on top of audio recording and I was going to cut up certain jokes and post them in, online as a promotion, like little promos. So um, I'm really into running and fitness and stuff. So one of them is a marathon and I was in runner's world. Um, I knew I was going to be in runner's world in March. And I had done a corporate gig for Runner's World and the, I had lunch with this. They love me. They're, I love them back. They're so funny and they're so kind. Um, so I, I knew that was coming out and I knew that they would support me. So the first video I decided was my marathon joke. So it was my marathon joke. Then it was like four seconds of a still of my album where you can click on it and buy it if you wanted to. And then another four seconds of a little subscribe button. So it's a little button. You click it. You can subscribe to my YouTube. It also says my Facebook, my Twitter, and my website. And I've been doing the subscribe button now for a year. And I realized from all my reading, if you don't ask people to do stuff, they're not going to do it. Even if they love you. Like, I realized my brain. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary brother-in-law was showing me all these videos and I go do you ever like these videos just asking me he's like oh no I go you know it's actually really helpful to them and I was and so every time he showed me a video I was like we're gonna like it Rob let's let's like it um so it's little stuff if you don't ask people to like subscribe comment a lot of them don't even though they like what you're doing and they're sharing it to friends this extra mile they just don't think it's important um or they don't realize it's something that can continue to have you in their lives (laughs) so um, the subscribe button I added like a year ago and I slowly saw it helping, but, um, the album thing was the first time I've never had anything to sell before. So I put the marathon thing up. Runner's World did some retweeting of it. Um, have you, I don't know how big you are into, um, fitness or running, but there's a book that came out called Born to Run. 
Okay. No, I've not read that. I've recently I joined a gym nice. and I've started running uh, as of like December last year. Oh, nice. Because I well, I want to improve all the time anyway. Yeah. But I and I was I was doing like jogging, which is basically lazy running. But I but I I don't know. I just thought let's take this more seriously this year. Yeah. And so I've been swimming and running pretty much once every three days all year. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That, I mean, to me, it's, like, the best thing to do anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can be I'm, – I'm in a country mm. for a month where I'm, I'm not going to join a gym. You know what I mean? So I've been able to run along the river every day. And oh, cool. It's, what down in Hammersmith for? I'm, I'm in East London, so the, oh, is it okay. the Thames River? Yeah, it's, not, it's the Thames. It's, Thames. Yeah. I'm never going to pronounce anything right. No, it's fine. I'll edit it. So you yeah, sound... so I said the Thames River. <laughs> <laughs> They're now going to wonder Got why right you're the listening. First time. <laughs> Winning. Um, it's winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so like, um, so that was the first video I kind of put out and I promoted. And um, uh, the author of Born to Run saw that video and retweeted it. Oh, and wow. then I saw that he retweeted it. And I was like, and I, that book is, I, if you're a running person, you know what that book is. It was on the bestsellers list and it's been five years and it's still on the bestsellers list. And it's just, even if you don't like running, it's just a really cool book. It's about how he followed this tribe in Mexico where every man, child, old, young, they all run and they run hundreds of miles a week. It's like crazy. And it's just about how our bodies are made to run. Really good book. And I loved it. I must have recommended it to so many people when it came out. It also started a huge movement in the running world where it started a barefoot movement, which I did not gravitate to at all um i was like that's weird how that's their problem i'm not doing that but anyway i saw that he retweeted me i was like oh my god i'm so honored if you like this maybe you'll like my dieting joke so i sent him my dieting joke he retweeted that and he said keep it coming it's cold and i don't want to go running today and so i was like well i don't have any more stuff on youtube let me send you um, my album so i sent him my album he listened to my album ended up loving my cat jokes because he has four cats and um, I'm now going to be touring with him in April. Wow. Yeah. So he has a new book coming out in April. He's sending me a copy and he wants me to do 10 minutes like in 25 cities. Like super random. Started to be why I like Twitter because I was like, oh shit. And uh, and he's just been awesome. And he's actually been hooking me up with people. Every time I go to a different um, place, he's like, he's like, he's like, Liz Mealy's coming. You should hang out with her. You should have, you know what I mean? So like there's a parkour girl um in london that i'm supposed to get coffee with and take her class and he's just been really amazing but um what i would do so marathons jokes it's running it's fitness or whatever so then i started looking for magazines blogs anybody that cared about that and writing like press releases and and sending them emails you know hey women's health magazine um this is what I've done. This is who I am. This is what I have to show you. This is why I'm sending it to you and putting it out in the ether. Some of them were connections from other people. Some of them were just cold emails and info at runner. You know what I mean? Just like bullshit email addresses that I found online that who knows if anybody even reads them. So I did that and it got some traction um, and I'm still working. It's like I'm still in the beginning phase of doing this. But the next one was my feminist sex positions joke, which one of my really good friends that's way more successful than I am. Like he's if this is fame, he's like hanging out right there. And he's, um, I open for him a lot. He's, he's a good friend of mine. And he loved that joke. He loved that joke when I, like, I just started doing it. And when I opened for him, he'd be like, you can, you can open for me, but only if you do that joke. And I was like, gladly. Um, What's his name? Uh, Hurry Kundabolu. Okay. So uh, he's been on a bunch of late night shows. He actually was a writer and performer for this show called Totally Biased on um, FX. And um, he's just, very talented political comedian and just 
a good dude. He actually is one of the people that helped me get hooked up with half the people that have booked me on this tour. So, um, so he told me, he's like, when you post it, let me know. I'll email it to a bunch of people and, and I'll post it myself. So he posted it and I got like 6,000 views in like a day. So like, that's his fan base that, and just, I could see like he put it on Tumblr and I put something on Tumblr and maybe five people retumble it. He put, it's at a thousand. The thing that he retumbled is at a thousand retumbles and note and like people liking and shit. So he did that like a couple days after I posted it. And that was like, whoa. Um, but then he gave me a list of feminist blogs and told me some places to look. And so I emailed all the feminist blogs that he told me about. And then I started doing my own research and I started cold emailing them. And so the one that I is the funny, the one that was the one that started the viral video or started kind of the, the what's the word? Um, the snowball effect was everyday feminism. I just wrote to them like, literally they had a format to be a writer like it's you know how like when people don't give you their email address you put in their name and you're like is this even going anywhere yeah it was like one of those it's like if you want to write for everyday feminism send us your stuff and tell us how and so everything that i was writing didn't fill the questions like they would be like why do you want to write for us i don't i just wanted you to look at this video if you can use it great if you can't you know no problem um you know uh send us a sample i don't have a sample of my writing because i don't want to write for you but i have this video i think you guys might like it if you don't then don't worry about it and so i filled everything in just not right (laughs) and i was like what's the worst can happen somebody looks at it it doesn't work and i never heard back from them three weeks later i had a friend from high school on facebook be like hey my friend's on everyday feminism i go to look on it and it already has like a thousand likes and like 80 shares and then within within like two days it was at like 5,000 likes and like like 200 shares or whatever. And then from there, Cosmo picked it up. And from there, um, Huffington Post picked it up. And from there, Mick.com asked for an interview and picked it up. And then a bunch of these like um, just kind of like viral things, like one's called Boing Boing. And it's just a thing that, you know, they don't even write anything. They just go, you should check this out, you know. Um, Bustle.com, a bunch. And then other feminist blogs, Feministing, like – so all these blogs are picking it up and next thing you know is I mean right now I think it's at 200,000 views and that all all that happened within literally like the most of the views happened within like 4 days and then the other ones kind of trickled down over mm-hmm. the course of 2 weeks but it was all from me emailing people and just being like I have an album out this joke is about feminism and it's a different perspective if you want to look at it if it's something that works for you great if it doesn't no worries and like doing that for every like so I have a paleo diet joke where I'll probably be doing the same thing and of course this has a stronger opinion and it's it's it clearly hit a nerve I mean that's the other thing is it's not just emailing people I think things that are relevant to the time and to certain people are going to pop off more I mean you can have a great you know great joke about dating but if it doesn't stand out and it has no relevance to what's going on right now or to the people you're trying to get their attention to, then it's just a funny joke that maybe, but like when something uh, matters to people, I mean, and they've never seen it before. I mean, I, I don't, it sounds weirdly like I'm tooting my own horn, but it's a perspective that people didn't have before. And so I think it kind of hit a nerve and it hit a nerve with the right people. Of course, I've gotten so many hate tweets and hate comments about, being a feminist and and women and whatever that joke's not for them Mm. i I don't i don't i'm not gonna change their mind and i really Mm. don't know if i want them in the audience 
but all the people that do do love it like the cool thing for me is um uh do you know sarah milliken i do know sarah milliken yeah sarah milliken followed me like she saw it and she followed me and then i was like um hey I was like, I'm going to be in London. I think you're amazing. You have a lot of cat jokes. We might be the same person. Can I get a cup of coffee with you? And she was like, of course. And I was like, I might pee my pants. That's <laughs> but, amazing. But it's stuff like that where you're like, it's helping me connect with other like-minded people and both people in the industry that can help me get further and understand and and just help like she's at a level that I don't know if I'll ever reach you know what I mean but I would love to pick her brain and hear what she does and as somebody that wants to continue to work in the UK and in Europe I would love to hear any advice she can give me Mm. and then also all these other fans that my if they like if they like this joke I have no doubt they're gonna like the rest of my album and I won't know how my sales are because iTunes is always like a month delay so I won't know this happened in January, so I won't know until the end of February how it worked with my sales. But, I mean, somebody told me at a party when it first started happening, they're like, you have a hit joke on your new album. Like, almost like having a hit song. And immediately it changed my perspective where I was like, oh shit, I did exactly what I was supposed to do as my own PR person. I made a hit joke. It kind of, like, it really was like, all of a sudden I like kind of smiled and I was like, I made a hit joke. <laughs> And the joke always did well. It was one. It was my closer for a year, and I was, it's the reason it's on the CD, and I'm incredibly proud of it. And but it was it was actually really fascinating to watch it get recognized mm. because. And the other thing is, is I did it on that TV show. So the TV show I did was cable, so I could curse, and I knew I was submitting to other late night shows. So I made a point to only do my stuff that would never be on a late night show, and that was one of them because there's it's kind of a dirty joke, and it did amazing, and it got a lot of. Um, good response both when I taped it when it aired and every time it re-aired but to put it by itself it just kind of took off mm. I was going to wait for you to finish yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no that that's amazing that's because it's stuff like that where you just you're just talking to someone and, and they're just amazing and you're like tell me everything you yeah, know yeah absolutely I want to know your secrets um, yeah. that's why you're here yeah. um, <laughs> uh, you, I was going to ask if it had any effect on your on your live ticket sales but I imagine over here not so much Um, I will say this it's had an effect on getting auditions so immediately people that I couldn't get them to even give me an audition they're now reaching out to me asking for auditions which is funny because I'm not even there to audition so I've had to turn down two auditions already because I'm not in town so it's it's weirdly bad timing but it also kind of looks good that I'm busy like it's kind of nice when somebody's like hey can you come in for an audition I was like oh I'm in Europe I'm turning Europe right now um, maybe you mean later? you mean auditions over teams? yeah because we don't really do auditions over here oh really we kind of do open spots is that the same thing over there what do you mean open spots so over here the way it kind of structures is you get an open spot which means you get sort of 10 minutes on a pro bill yeah and if you do well in that they sometimes ask you about for like a 15 where you get maybe expenses or a bit of money and then you do 20 and then you're yeah. sort of the opener or the closer or yeah, whatever. yeah i mean definitely for for um we, that would be similar for stand-up but these are like auditions for like tv shows and stuff oh okay so these are literally like we want you to come in and audition for this part or for this panel thing okay. and um some of them i'm going to try to do just via skype or you know submitting a video but some of them, I'm missing some of the key parts of it, and it's just something I can't do this year, which is kind of fine. You know what I mean? But I'm I'm hoping this parlays into more work. I mean, the whole goal of all this stuff is when I decided to put out my album, it was I was excited about the hour. 
and I was ready to move on from the hour and I was just ready to put it out there and move on. But because it's my first album, it's kind of the first introduction into the comedy world, even though it's 13 years, it really is the first time most people are going to know about me. So you want it to, um, be pretty special, but be, um, kind of advertised or put out there in a certain way. And so by doing my own PR, I'm kind of putting myself out there and you can't, it's almost like, it's like almost how art is where you, you put it out there and you can't, you can't spoon feed people how they're going to interpret it. If you say something and somebody decides they believe it's racist and you're like, no, there's no way that that's the opposite of racism, but they've decided you're racist. You're like, I guess I'm a racist in that person's head. I, there's nothing I can do. You've already pinpointed me as this person. So that's something that you have to kind of learn in time to get over. So it's the same thing with kind of social media where you're like, I'm going to put this out there and this is how I want it to be interpreted. But if it isn't, I can only do so much. And so for me, I did the best I could both with my material and how I wanted people to see the CD. Like the way I advertise my album is that it's about, I was like, it's a, it's literally about me understanding what sucks about me it's called emotionally exhausting and it's about cats and mental illness and being terrible at dating and being terrible at running and how it's kind of and a a lot and I talk about it both in negative and positive ways how these things have affected me and it's a very kind of raw stand-up set but it's also one of those things where people kind of came out and they're like thanks and so that's what I kind of wanted is for it's not for everybody And, and knowing that you then know that if it's not for everybody who is it for and then you go to find those people do you think by snipping the joke down to like first of all do you think it lost anything by snipping the joke out of context and two do you think by making you know like picking one subject and going well i'll just take that joke that can be my preview there's a whole community out there that i can go out to that i already maybe am part of or i really enjoy anyway do you think that made it easier to pr or do you think it sort of in a way like sort of because you said that you want to go out and find the audience and if in a way say no to other people who you don't want in the audience because they're maybe not into that yeah so do you think that made that job easier or harder i mean i think i think comedy is so subjective that you really are just trying to find your people and you're some people you might convince otherwise but that's not really your job i mean your job is to be as authentically yourself and whatever message you're putting out there you put out there so if the job isn't to change minds the job is just to be authentically you then it's about finding people that are going to appreciate authentically you and i don't believe by snipping a joke i want my jokes to be seen in an hour form but the truth is is i do five ten twenty thirty minute sets all the time and do i have to make compromises because it's not my full hour absolutely but that's part of the job so by snipping it down to an hour i wouldn't want somebody to watch one joke and be like she's not funny and blow it off but people do that and that's that's what it is and you can't control that so the best you can do is if you are going to put out a little preview is to be proud of it in the moment and hope that it speaks for itself and while you might lose some people you'll also gain so many more and uh, that one three minute joke has opened up the door for people to watch 10 more minutes and for people to buy my album and hear an hour but hour of it and to be actually good fans so I think you have to take some sacrifices and some risks along the way through everything that you do to for the potential for it to be bigger so while this joke 
Well, feminism is seen as like a dirty word and something a lot of people actually shy away from because it's seen that way. I kind of went, well, there's a bunch of people that are proud and I'm going to go find those proud people. And while this is the only joke that I specifically talking talk about being a feminist, that mindset and who I am is is filtered through all my jokes. So if you like this joke, while it's not being actively talked about in the other jokes, it is a filter through all my other jokes. So even though I'm talking about cats, it's coming from a place of I'm a strong woman that has strong opinions that is going to tell you exactly how I feel. So I think um, those snip and, and that's what I did. I mean, I released a feminist joke. I released a running joke. I released a cat joke. <laughs> that's you. Yeah, <laughs> that is my album. That's, everything. Um, well, that's the thing I was going to ask you about too of your album though, because you released it as an audio yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, not a video thing as I understand it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's more common in the U.S. It's actually what mm. I, I mean. DVD, when you get bigger, people do both. And I know people that do do both. For me, uh, I recorded it in a small club in New York. It, I mean, packed is 100 people. And I recorded, I did the video recording of it, but that was secondary to me. That was just literally to do promo. Um, the audio is what I cared about. And the audio, at least in... America is that album that listenable album is um really big and a breaking point in a a career goal and so I think it's a little different here but um yeah that was that was always the goal so you you didn't even consider doing the video you just thought no and I also I'm not even that visual I mean I just talk I mean I make some facial expressions that might help but you really don't lose much not seeing me Okay. Which I mean, is what Obviously, I've said. Guys. I've said that in relationships. <laughs> we, we're about forty minutes in. Everyone knows. Yeah. that They don't need to see you right yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if you're enjoying her voice, buy her out. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, weird plug. <laughs> Time. Um, well, I mean, do, you said that like so. You've you, you're done with that material. You've done it for thirteen years. You, you're sort of. Well, over I haven't it. done it for thirteen. I did it well, for no, two. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you've, yeah. You've been working on this this, yeah. this uh, voice for thirteen years yeah. and for this material for two years. Yeah. Does that mean you've like done like you burned it and now you're going to write a new one? Or? Um, I haven't burned it in the sense that I'm still like I have to do an hour next week and I haven't rewritten a new hour since I released it. But I have I have fifteen minutes that are new and you place that in there you do the other stuff the way like the way I kind of work and I don't know how everybody works is is I work about three jokes at a time I get overwhelmed if I work on more I work on three jokes and as they get polished unless they move into another joke I put them on the shelf so it's three jokes they get polished I put them on the shelf I work on three more jokes they get polished I put them on the shelf three jokes they get polished I put them on the shelf and then somebody go hey can you do 15 minutes or whatever and then I bring them back and we go do 15 minutes but for the most part if I'm just doing 10 minute spots in the city or 20 minute spots in the city it's about polishing off those new jokes so that at the end of the year somebody goes can I or end of two years it's about the rate I work um, they go, can I see your hour? And it's different from two years before. But if you're seeing me six months in, it's half and half. You know what I mean? And and it's it's still in the, the baby stages. But the goal would be if you see me in two years, I'm not doing anything that you saw before. And that I can continue to grow my fan base as somebody that continues to push new ideas. Do you, and My question was going to be, do you think, because a lot of comedians go one year, one hour, done. One year, one hour, done. And they just throw it away. Or they put it up on like a cell site like you've done yeah. and then move on and write the next hour. Do you think two years that cycle can work for a, for an audience? Or do you think the, the one year, one hour kind of mindset works better? 
Um, I'll say this. I think everybody has different paces. And I think when you try to work at somebody else's pace, you lose stuff. So I maybe someday I might get to an hour a year. But right now with everything that I'm working on, both in stand-up and outside of stand-up, it's, it's too fast of a pace. And I'm not going to be the best version of myself. <laughs> and maybe if I'm Louis C.K. and I can do theater shows every weekend and I can get up at a club just by showing up, maybe I could work faster. But I don't have that leverage. So I have to work with the leverage I do have and the amount of stage time that I have. And hopefully with more success that it increases but right now my pace is two years and i the world slash country is big enough for me to not see everybody every two years so does that mean you don't get in the nice way possible as much stage time as you maybe want in new york absolutely i mean i i go through phases of getting up every day um and then i go through phases of only getting up a couple times a week i mean it's some of it is out of sight, out of mind as I'm touring more on the road. I'm not, I don't have as much face time in the city. Um, some of it is because I'm touring on the road, I'm exhausted and I don't push as hard. You know what I mean? Because I want to go home and just be a person. But, um, I, I wasn't getting the quality of stage time that I wanted as of a couple of years ago thinking it sounds pompous, but I thought I deserved higher quality stage time and I wasn't getting it. And, you know, five, six years ago, I was bitter about it and I probably wasn't a pleasure to be a friend with. And as I kind of got my shit together, started seeing a therapist, had a couple people yell at me that had every right to yell at me and they were close enough to me that it was, I was open to it. I started to realize that I'm getting a lot of stage time. I work really hard, but it doesn't make it, it doesn't mean you work hard and you're funny and you deserve it. So stop complaining about it and just utilize the stage time you do have. So instead of being, cause I, I, what I did have a really bitter stage where I was getting stage time that people would kill for, but it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted more and being and not utilizing it and being a little pissy about it. And now in the last couple of years, I started to go, okay, if I'm doing this shitty show, then I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want and I'm going to get really good. And so I started using these shows that, are literally like a step above an open mic and going that I'm going to every time I do a show like that I'm going to have 10 minutes of new material and I'm going to I'm going to just keep pushing myself and so then I started to actually like doing these crappy shows because it pushed me to create a way that I never created before because it used to, the way I used to work because I'm very written is I wouldn't try a new joke unless it was 70% done so I would write most of it beforehand and then write the other 30% doing it on stage and editing it as I worked on it. Now I'll go on stage with a joke that's like 20% of an idea and just dick around. And some of that's confidence and some of that's just knowing my voice and, and how, where I want to go with it and just believing that I can get there. Cause I have, and some of it is you don't want to try that at a room where people paid $25 and uh, have high expectations. You want to do that in a back room where people don't even know you're a person. And so I started actually enjoying these shitty shows and actually wanting to do more of them because it made me a better comic and made my writing process better. And it also, I realized I worked harder when I was going to do crappier shows than when I had shows people paid for because that's like do the, do the stuff that works. And this is go be better. And I like the challenge of go be better. I was going to ask you, do you think it would have an, or do you think it w has or will have a negative impact on people remembering what you look like by doing an audio album rather than a visual? 
I don't think it matters. I mean, to me, um, let's put it this way. I don't know what my favorite band looks like. I, there's people that are diehard music people that want to know what they look like and they have posters. It's usually teenagers. They have posters on their wall and whatever. I mean, that's one way that people enjoy it. They want the full thing. But, I mean, I don't... I, to me, it, it doesn't... It, it was always about the jokes. Like, let's put it this way. As a female comic, I've only started dressing a little bit more like a female in the last couple of years as it became frustrating that I was doing so many shows but then I also had dates and I wanted to hang out my friends and I didn't want to look shitty but I always kind of dressed not shitty but literally I always dressed like someone that just ran away from home it was like ripped jeans and a shitty t-shirt and that's what I was comfortable in but it also it it may it pushed down my visual appeal so that you can pay attention to my my voice appeal or what I'm saying rather than like I work out it's going to sound really cocky, but I, I have a nice body. You know what I mean? When my face isn't breaking out, my face is kind of cute. But it's distracting. And when half your audience is male and the other half is female that also spend a lot of time trying to look nice, it's kind of you're fighting for attention. And I never wanted to fight for visual attention because that wasn't the goal. I'm not a model. I want you to listen to my ideas. And only through becoming a better comic have I almost earned the right to look better. That sounds so dumb. And I'm not you can go look up a picture. I'm not stunning, but I, I, it's distracting. And sadly, because being a female comic, there is that distracting aspect. So for me, you not knowing what I look like is actually a benefit. We just finished a design series uh, on marketing materials for like Edinburgh and fringe festivals and things. Do you, yeah. know, do you know Edinburgh's? Yeah. Okay. Um, and essentially a lot of the poster designers and flyers, creators and all that stuff have said you know put yourself on it you need your audience to know who you are or at least yeah. connect with you on some level yeah because otherwise you know th they might come and and they might get a different uh vision in the head of who you are from your name or from your show title yeah and they might just immediately be turned off yeah for whatever reason because it, they're that fickle as an audience member but, for whatever reason but you know what's interesting about that is as a female comic they're already turned off like like a, a booker was telling me that um the first thing I should say on stage is like just put down America. Just say something about being American and just throw America under the bus because they're not going to like you because you're American. And a part of me was like, I have been a female my whole life and I've been a female comic for 13 years. It's always been that way. It's always been you. As soon as they hear the pronoun she, they're already checking their cell phone and going to the bathroom because the stereotype for women is that we're not funny and nobody wants to listen to us. And so I think one of the reasons that me and a lot of my girlfriends have become stronger comedians is you have to be funny and you have to be funny fast and you don't have the luxury of somebody giving you the benefit of the doubt. So for me to be over here and hear that people might not like Americans or might not care what I have to say, I mean, like I, I'm used to it. Like, mm really like give me another reason why people wouldn't like me so mm. putting my face on something on people seeing it to me is I've been told my whole career that people don't want to come out and see me because I'm a female so I still use it I mean I use Instagram and I make little posters with my face on it and stuff like that it's not that I shy away from it but like my album cover is kind of a, a Banksy um uh what do you call it a sp spoof or like yeah. a an ode I even say like you know taken from love sync banksy and i kind of mirrored it um but i wanted to do something that wasn't just my face most comedians are album covers their face and then like some title and mine was like i mean 
one of the biggest compliments I got from my peers was it's one of the coolest album covers they've seen. It's really cool. I like it. Thank yeah. you. And it, it makes me proud because I, I mean, I've spent Who my, Who made it? um, he, his name is Josh Merman. He actually is this cool artist that does, I have a cat t-shirt I sell on the road. And so he designed my, I'll give you the sticker. I have a sticker for you. I'll put it on his cat tent when I finish <laughs> Yay! it. Yeah. Um, but I, does Pasta have a cat tent? A cat tent? I mean, we're, I'm clearly not a good cat mom. She's not here with me. <laughs> uh, Why are you here without your child? I know. <laughs> we have oh. a green room to put him in. Yeah. Well, a yeah. green carpet. Oh, oh my God. They could have talked. But, um. would have been so pissed. <laughs> yeah. My cat would have. My cat doesn't like other cats. She would have been like. Oh, yeah. Like, he likes everyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Every Hissing at everyone. Yeah. yeah. But, um, for me, it, it was about seeing all these album covers and wanting to do something unique and do something that that stood up for the material and not stood up for my face you know what i mean like yeah 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 no that's interesting just it's just a different perspective on on what we've on what for people who've listened to all the episodes up till now yeah will have been told from designers for yeah but then i imagine um a release of an album would be different to a poster for a live show absolutely yeah. i mean you're selling you're selling something different like to me looking at an album album cover whether it's comedy or music or whatever you look at it and it's supposed to give you a feeling or or kind of give you a little bit of a view into what you're about to experience so for me it's visually appealing and it I, I like I'm one of those people that I never did you know um I always think of like Mad Men did you do you guys yeah, have Mad yeah, Men yeah, like Mad Men, yeah. I never did that kind of stuff I, I'm pretty sure if I didn't become a comic I would because I really do like it but I'll see a poster like in the subway or uh, waiting for the tube like that's for a show and it's so boring it's just a face and a name and a tagline where it's like a really good poster for a show makes me want to go home and google the trailer or google when it's about or find out who that actor is but when it's just like a face like there i forget there was like some poster where it was like about a doctor show and it was just his face and he looked tired who gives a shit why what there's the whole point of a poster is to get me interested and nothing about it made me interested rather than there was this poster in the subway that was of a guy with um with a, a gun to his head and all these ideas were coming out the other end. Oh, nice. And I was like, what the fuck is this about? It's, it should create a question. And then now with social media and YouTube and all this stuff, y you want people to be excited to go do the work for you. So a lot of times I'll see an advertisement for a show. I might recognize an actor or I might see something interesting about the poster and I go home and I Google it and I go, when is this show coming out? But if I look at a poster and I go, so it's another doctor that what has sex in a surgery room. I don't care. You know, it's stupid to me. I, I think that's the same kind of thing is you look at my poster and if you don't know who I am, you go, what the fuck is this about? It should ask a question that my CD should answer. If you've got one bit of advice for any comedian who maybe is looking at investing in creating an online audience or releasing some of their work, because a lot of, I have this argument all the time. I, I work in social media and, and I, I'm a firm believer in it. And uh, in terms of it being a good thing in the long term, and you should invest into it, and the more you get in, the more you put in, the more you get out, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But a lot of my peers say things like, "Oh, I don't want to put a video online because then I can't do that joke on stage," or "I don't want, I don't want to put it online because you know they're never going to buy my you know album if they can get the joke for free." Or and and then I look at you so know, I, yeah, I know. I look at like uh, you know Louis. If we go with Louis, yeah, every one of his shows is on YouTube. Yeah. But I've bought every show. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like um, same with you know Stuart Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of his shows I can watch online. Yeah. Every one of them I've got from Go Faster. You know what I mean? Like, Because yeah. I, I support good content. 
the only people I find saying that are people who haven't got good content. Absolutely. And that's why they're worried. Yeah, absolutely. Or people thinking somebody's going to steal a joke. Yeah. I just want to let you know, if they steal a joke, guess what? You can write another joke. That person doesn't yeah. have the capability. So, yeah, it's still a loss and it's angering and it's upsetting. But that guy can't write another joke. You have a brain that created that first joke. You're going to make another one. You can't let the fear of people not buying your stuff or the fear of... I don't think you should put all your stuff out there, especially because you don't have the clout and the 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 amount of material that Louis C.K. and Stuart Lee have. But in the beginning, to slowly make a fan base, I think you need to... Like for me, what I do on Facebook and Twitter is I, wrote a, I write a joke of the day. So my friend Justy writes like 50 jokes of the day. I don't have that, nor do I want to spend my whole life on social media. But I... I mean, I pretty much what I do and I just do it five days a week I like to think like the weekends or my break is I put um kind of a joke or a silly idea of the day some of it might be in my act a lot of times it's just something funny that happened or something dumb I thought of and I put that out there I do one or two of those a day I silly picture with like a silly you know upload or whatever just something that lets people know I'm a human and I'm funny and then I post where I'm gonna be and then anything big that happens I also post about that and that's I keep it I keep it active like daily, you know, and pretty much dailyly active. Dailyly, whatever. That's a word that I. We'll edit. We'll edit. <laughs> yeah. But I put something up daily, and I keep it active. I also interact with other people because it's it shouldn't be selfish. You can't expect people to like your stuff when you're not liking other people's stuff. So you should support people both online and in real life. You want people to come see your theater show, well, then go fucking see some theater shows. So both being um, active on your end and giving something people can be excited about, and then showing support for what other people do is huge that's like 90 percent of it and the other is having good content so i actually am of the advice and i learned it the hard way that it's okay to be invisible be invisible until when people do see you that they, they can't ignore you so you know if you're five years in and you're not sure you're not doing that well and people aren't paying attention to you and you're not getting the reaction you want to on stage then yeah don't put your shit up online but if every show you do you're crushing and people aren't paying attention to you outside of it that's when you start to be like all right well if the industry's not paying attention to me let's see if i can make fans because the industry will follow the fans if the industry isn't picking up on you on its own that was liz i had so much fun talking to her i can't even express how oh it was so good um we we recorded this a couple of months ago and just listening to it back i really loved talking social media in like a geeky terms with someone um it was a lot of fun and really exciting to have such a really great case study just that you could like talk to and dissect and and she was so fun and interesting um i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you got as much out of it as i did um the i mean interesting points for me around going viral and building social media fan bases um it's just great uh, i'm actually going to go and reread some of seth's books um uh, seth godin the person she recommended um at some point probably on a tr- long train journey because they're amazing i highly recommend them um there'll be links in the show notes to all those books so feel free to go there click through and uh, buy them through those links that supports the show as well so um thank you so much for listening it's hopefully next time i'm going to have uh, jill edwards on who um is quite an outspoken person on uh, a lot of subjects she's fascinating though and i really loved just we went into really good detail on like why comedy courses are relevant and useful and can be uh teach can teach people how to be funny but not in the ways that you maybe think uh females in comedy uh as well as 
just show structure, like really, really detailed on how to put together a show rather than just an hour of jokes. Loved it. I, uh, I could, I could just wanted to talk to her for hours. Well, we did. We talked for about four hours. Um, but uh, I, I made it to get down. I'm hoping to get it to two hours. So, um, thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, that one should be out in a couple of weeks' time. Again, if you want to support the show, please share the link to this to uh, a friend if if they're interested in going viral or or looking into trying to get some more online coverage just pass it on to them they'll probably get something out of it if they if you have a minute please leave it a review in itunes genuinely really helps out the show it's phenomenally useful and uh also gives me a bit of an ego boost so if you (laughs) if you want to do those things and be nice that would be amazing three if you have some money (laughs) Um, and you don't mind sending it in to support the show. Uh, all the money goes back into the show, so do support the show if you have some. Um, just put a, like if you've listened to five podcasts and you think, "Whoa, those were really good," or "I really want to support him making more of those." Put a monetary value on what you think each podcast is worth, say two, three, four, five pounds, and then send that. So, like if it was five, it'd be five times five is twenty-five quid. If it was a pound, it'd be five times one, a fiver, whatever. Um, there is a PayPal button on the website, which is simoncane.co.uk. You can find that in the notes to the show, and you can find that you can find that just by googling. It's not hard to find, um, and yeah. Just keep supporting the show. It really helps and it really is appreciated. Uh, I send everyone a personal email who sends uh, uh, money in as well. So one other way you can support this podcast is I'm doing a show at the Brighton Fringe. It's called Buddhism and Cats. I'm actually also doing it in Edinburgh now. So um, if you want to search for that online, but very quickly. In Brighton, I'm doing the 5th of May, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 24th, 25th, 26th and 27th. And in Edinburgh, I'm doing every single day. So uh, please look that up. They're in all the programs and stuff. So if you can't afford to help me uh, just through PayPal or through sharing stuff, or, you, or you're fed up with doing that, maybe you've done it a lot, and thank you for doing it if you have done it a lot, um, come and see the show. It would really help me out because, like, like I've said before, I could be spending my time trying to market the show more, but I'm actually sat around editing this podcast. So please take the opportunity to support me on that it would really help out if you came down brought a few friends had a nice laugh great don't worry about it if you can't but it's out there if you need to um just search for it it's a it's a very un um subscribe to keyword term buddhism and cats i'll see you guys next time bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.